Jersey. Take it away. Welcome to League One Fun, presented by the Beautiful Game Network and brought to you by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. I'm Ira Jersey, and that voice you heard at the start was Jason. Jason, welcome back to League One Fun after a long hiatus. A long hiatus of, of League One Fun and, and being on video. This is this is different now. You made me put on a shirt. I can't get drunk <laughs> like I normally do. This is weird. I don't know how much I like this. Well, there's a lot going on in the world, um, obviously, between the coronavirus. Obviously, Black Lives Matters is amazingly important, and we'll talk about that much later in the show. Uh, but we have a very special guest with us all the way from Florida and USL headquarters. <laughs> it's Stephen Short, the senior vice president of USL League One. Stephen, thanks for coming back on League One Fun. Guys, thanks for having us. And Jason, if you're not drinking, I'll take care of it for thank, you. Thank but you. Uh, thank Yeah, you. someone has to. But uh, no, great guys. Great to catch up again. It's been a while. It has. We're going to start off with Jason, and then I think we're just going to go back and forth and just have a little conversation, if that's okay with you, Stephen. Let's do it, guys. I really look forward to it, and I'm glad to be back. Yeah, so let's get into it. Announcement came out. We've got a, a tentative date. You know, mm-hmm. Can you go into it? What was the, the vote process like? I heard it was overwhelmingly, you know, everyone pretty much agreed to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, give, us the, give us a scoop on you know, where we're at. You know, it, it's interesting, guys, because I think it's the first, you know, the initial suspension occurred. Um, it's something we've been working towards as a group the whole time. And it not just with the USL, but I think all pro sports leagues around the world. Um, and it's certainly been a day that we've been looking forward to for a long time. And um, But an important part of that, it really is that the clubs are part of their communities and, and always have been and are important components of that. Um, and will be important to the healing of each community through um, COVID and the pandemic. And so we see that in working with the clubs, working with their presidents, their executives and their ownerships. Um, it was something from day one um, that we've been pushing towards and trying to understand what that would be, what it would look like. Um, and last week was a very positive week. We were excited to reach that point. Now, I would tell you, um, there's no playbook for this. And we've talked about that before. Uh, we're figuring out as we go. And obviously there's a network of all the leagues working together. Uh, but the key right now is to make sure that we're doing it and it's the safest way possible for, to get back on the field um, for players, you know, and fans and the communities alike. So we continue to work with each club, each city, each municipality to make sure that we're adhering to their standards while at the same time, the league has its own. Um, so it's a, it's a process and we're not done yet. So Stephen, one of the things that I've been trying to grapple with is all these states, and we have obviously 12 teams in, mm-hmm. in different geographical locations, and all of them are getting back to training at different times. So when you have teams like New England, which, you know, might not be able to have um, – might not be able to have team training until maybe a week or two before July 18th. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are we worried or were the owners at all worried about the quality of play coming back and things like injuries? Like, like, was that part of the discussion as, as the, uh, as everyone got together and talked about this? 100%. And actually it's been part of discussions for, geez, better part of two and a half months at this point, right? How do we keep a competition equity um, across the league to make sure everyone's in the same position or has the same opportunity to play? And as we look at that, and it continues to progress, you're absolutely right. Every state, or in this case, country and province, um, are different. Uh, and so we're continuing to work towards that ramp-up period to where they can continue uh, to take advantage of that. Now, keep in mind, our provisional date is July 18th. That may or may not see every team playing on that date. 
uh, understanding what each state's going through in each province as well. Uh, so it could look a little similar to the first year of the league where you had some teams take advantage of their, where their states have reopened and what their facilities are able to do. Uh, but more will come out about that later uh, once we finalize all of that. So uh, but we're certainly taking into account every restriction, um, every you know policy on a stadium, um, how many players can be on a field together to make sure they're staying safe. And that's at the forefront of everything we're doing. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Uh, is it? I stole it from you, so you're good. Yeah, but has yeah. <laughs> it, it been fully agreed that every team is going to participate? I know, for instance, like Toronto, they have mm-hmm. very strict guidelines, and we don't know what's going to happen in July. Is there a possibility that there could be an owner or a team that says, hey, we can't do this just based off of you know safety precautions and what locally we are allowed and can't do? We're moving forward with all teams. Um, okay. And that's and we have to move together as a unit. Uh, and so now there may be a situation, let's say that you mentioned New England Revolution too. What, what happens if Massachusetts governor keeps the stadium, the entire state locked down? We'll have to deal with that on a one-off basis as that comes up. Uh, but as far as right now, we're moving forward with all clubs. Okay. So, you know, obviously for the independent teams, this is uh, very important to have butts in seats. And one mm-hmm. of the things that I've done in the last 48 hours is reached out to a lot of the owners and general managers of some of the clubs. So a lot of the clubs are, are talking about, um, you know, if they only can bring in a quarter of the stadium or they can only bring in, um, you know, a third of the uh, of the stadium. Is there going to be league guidelines to that, or are you going to let each team in each locality, um, you know, basically have their own rules based on on what the local authorities are allowing for the stadiums? The answer is yes, <laughs> to some degree. There are, yes, best practices that we've learned from other leagues, and I think you're seeing every league in the country start to share those. We continually work with U.S. Soccer and their chief medical officer. Our plan, obviously, um, has to be reviewed by them, and every club is probably going to have to provide their local municipality as well before they can put fans in there. You saw today that Madison uh, released what it would take, right, for fans to be in their stadium. And I think part of that is, yes, it's the safety, but it's also to let the public know, here's what we're doing. Here's what the clubs are doing to make you feel safe um, and to make sure that you're staying healthy um, and to make sure that someone's not coming in as best as they can um, to a group of people and maybe spreading anything. So, yes, there's a degree from the league. Uh, but they will have to, um, everything we do, uh, the clubs will have to uh, adhere to their local you know, state municipality laws as well. So really quick follow-up to that. How much um, how much interaction between those the state and uh, local governments do the, does the league have, or are you doing everything through the team? So how much support kind of is going down and how much is going up? Uh, I would say initially it's club to the city or club to the state. Uh, while we're tracking everything at the league level, but... I can tell you there are representatives from the league that are starting to get on more and more calls with clubs and city officials to walk through protocols, to walk through you know, what the what the stadium authority needs to see or um, maybe to get a better idea of what their time frame for phasing is. Um, because every state and every city seem to sometimes um, have their own. So it's important for us to be a part of that process. Um, and I think when we reach certain points in each market, it may differ. Um, we would be there to support the clubs as much as we can. Now, you know, I'm going to have to try to pull a little, little something, something out of you. So, well, Richard, right, on, let, let me prep for this one real quick. We'll be all right. 
Now I'm going to assume that there's probably going to be an unbalanced schedule. And I know you guys haven't finalized everything, but is there okay. kind of been maybe a suggestion to try to maybe regionalize things? And we might see a lot more regional play as far as if somebody's going to play each other three times to save costs on travel and for safety precautions as well. If, you, if they could take a bus as opposed to taking a plane all the way to Tucson, mm -hmm. uh, is that something that you think is you guys are leaning towards? Well, you know, one thing that was important in our in our meeting with our owners is we brought up you specifically and what would make your life as easiest to watch as many games as possible, Jason. So we need your schedule and then we'll book it from there. But, <laughs> you know, we've said all along that all options are on the table as we look at a framework to return and um, travel, certain, certainly part of that. Um, player health, um, certainly a massive portion of that. And in the middle of all the other factors we look at, there's this amalgamation. Um, that everyone, and I think you heard it, like you mentioned earlier, where um, the league, it was overwhelmingly positive um, in the framework that we're working on. So we're excited to re uh, reveal that. Um, but, you know, we as a league had to be flexible, too, to understand how a stadium could open later than another one or a city could do that and how we can make sure that those that are open early could take advantage of that and those that can have fans in the stands can do that as well. So it's like calculus with a lot of variables that move um, daily. Uh, but we have a great group of uh, guys internally that take care of that for us. And we work with the clubs nonstop and to make sure that we can do that. But uh, I look forward to sharing with that with you once we publicly release it. But uh, certainly all vital elements of what goes into our scheduling this year, which is inevitably different than any other season we've ever seen. Is the intent still to play 28 game season um, or is, is, you know, is that in, in flux as well? It's in flux um, without a doubt. I mean, we had, a lot of things go into that, but it's, you know, our clubs from the beginning where how can we play as many games as safe as possible, um, which I think is a great sign for the ownership and the strength of the League One group of saying, we know how important our clubs are to our fans and to our cities. How can we do this as much as possible? But at the same time, balance it with safety to make sure that our fans and our players are staying safe. So, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, finalize that framework in the near future, and uh, that'll be part of the upcoming news in the weeks to come. And so just for you know, repurpose clarification, all these games will still be available via ESPN plus and YouTube, or is there any kind of other? Yeah, no change, no changes as of right now to that. Um, you know, that's been part of our multi-year deal with ESPN um, and the family of networks. And I think that's also strength to league one, but you still know where you can find your matches. Um, I don't anticipate any changes there. Uh, so you'll be able to watch all the league one teams with, just with your monthly subscription. Perfect. Um, so, Given that I'm about to be a USL League Two owner, um, I want to go a little bit. To <laughs> Congratulations! <the team. laughs> Thank you. Like from Ira, you know, <laughs> non-biased. I like uh, it. Let's do it. it. <laughs> um, but I want to turn a little bit to the business side because mm -hmm. you know, one of the big differences between something like League Two, where you basically you rent your stadium and you don't pay anything unless you play. Um, obviously, the hiatus has impacted the finances of a lot of mm -hmm. clubs how um how important um obviously league play is incredibly important because that's where a majority of the revenues are going to come from for for from game day related activities but um you know you know how how worried are some of the teams that they might not stay afloat after the season? Like I know everyone's committed to playing mm -hmm. the season, but is there, is there a real worry that some teams might not be financially viable going forward because of everything that's happened? You know, I think every, everyone in every market rights impact been impacted by this differently. Um, and economic decisions certainly come to light. 
but I think we look at this and our ownership has looked at this to the degree where they know they want to play. They know the strength of their franchises and their clubs and what that means to the communities. And certainly I think when you own a business as hopefully you will and lead to, or any business, whether it's a, you know, a retail restaurant down to a, uh, maybe like a food truck, you understand there's economics behind it. And I think we have to take a long-term vision for what these clubs are and understand that, you know, there is uh, many elements that fall into it. Um, certainly this has been an impact that has been um, unforeseen. You know, like you said earlier, there's no playbook for it. But what I would go back to is like from the time that the element initially kicked in is that the league's Lakers are focused on finding ways we can support the clubs. Um, and with 47 professional clubs through two leagues, there's a lot there. And so whether it's, uh, you know, we'll have some teams that, sorry, that uh, they can have fans in the stands from day one. We're going to have some that probably have to play behind closed doors um, for a brief period of time. You know, that that's part of it. So it's part of that relationship that goes back to the city um, and understanding what your capabilities are. And every club bringing that to the table say, you know what? We see the long-term vision of this league. We see the strength of what it is and where it will be. And that's part of this season. Uh, so when you get back to it, you, certainly there are economic components to it. Um, and if there wouldn't be, I'd be concerned about it a little bit. Um, but I think we're taking a realistic approach to it. Is this going to affect any, I know prior to COVID hitting and the hiatus, mm -hmm. there were talks of, you know, possibly up to, I believe it was six new USL League One teams announced in the mm -hmm. upcoming year. Does this kind of put a damper on any of that or is everything still moving according to plan? How yeah. has this impacted that? You know, you would think that, it's some degree it would impact it, right? But our expansion conversations have continued. Um, our group, which is an internal group, is already in conversations between somewhere between 30 to 40 plus markets for expansion. Um, and we have some great things coming down the pipe right now. I mean, you may have seen the efforts with uh, DeMarcus Beasley in Fort Wayne, and you may have seen some stuff up in Portland, Maine, which is starting to gain traction and certainly exciting. So our expansion team's working hard, and people are still calling, and people start reaching out about how can they become part of the USL, whether it's, you know, on the professional ranks or the pre-professional or even down to the youth ranks. So it's an exciting time and expansion is continuing to grow. I'm excited to see uh, what our team brings into the league and the strength that it adds. So, uh, you know, on that, uh, on that expansion front, uh, so out of curiosity, how has that changed um, with, with the COVID and with not playing? I mean, it does it mean less visits and obviously you do more zoom calls or whatever, <laughs> like everyone else is, oh, yeah. but, but, but what, um, how does that infrastructure change for expansion just because of the, the you know, different situation? It's not like mm -hmm. you're getting on a plane and flying out to, you know, I don't know, I'm going to, a random California city like Riverside Maybe. or something. There you go. Okay, and, yeah, that's a good one. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, to look at what the facilities might be like mm -hmm. or, where, you know, what where they might play, um, what would you, um, you know, how has that changed now? I mean, is it just more, you know, looking on Google Maps or something? <laughs> well, that's kind of where it all starts. Um, the infrastructure hasn't changed too much. I would tell you that I wish I bought stock in Zoom a long time ago, um, but I didn't, so I missed that boat. <laughs> You mean ZM, not Z O O M, which is a Chinese company um, that they've. Whichever one I can get my hands on that's uh, not in trouble and that is uh, helping everyone to have a better life. But when we look at it, part of what we do, right, is it's a lot of research before we even look at the market. Um, and obviously that continues to evolve while we're in discussions in those markets. And, you know, I don't know if you saw the survey on the athletic, 
Um, and then where they inquired, you know, I love seeing that, by the way, because they're like, where, where do you want to see League One expansion team come from? And another one popping up in uh, in Kentucky, my home state. Uh, but we visited Lexington multiple times and you can kind of feel it when you're there and it catches fire. So I think as it grows, the conversation shift a little bit. You know, there are more Zoom calls. It's more digital, but it's still face to face. It's still, you know, making sure that we're right for the individuals wanting to join the league and that they're right for us. And that the cities are right. And sometimes it may not be immediately. It could be two to three years down the road as stadiums are getting built or um, someone's starting to investigate a market. So then we start to make those connections and, and tie those groups together. So I would tell you that, yes, there's a lot more conversations, a lot less flying right now, um, which my wife appreciates, but it's certainly something where um, I imagine as we get back to a new normal, uh, we'll continue to engage a lot into the digital communication mode. Uh Obviously, announcements starting to play. Everyone's excited. But one mm-hmm. of the big things going into this, too, was conversations of CBA with USLPA. Mm-hmm. Once this is resolved and once we have a set schedule, once you know we kind of get into you know the, the back to regular scheduled programming, is that going to be the number one priority? And how has this kind of affected that? Do you feel like by making this short term agreement that helps in the long run? Or do you feel that still players, coach or owners, you know, in the league are kind of all just trying to figure out, you know, what the next steps are? Yeah, I think there's two things that are vital here is that, you know, we have two leagues that the USLPA represents, right? Both the championship and league one are both voluntarily recognized. Um, and they're technically treated separately, which is kind of a neat element, if you will. Uh, so the USL League One owners have been phenomenal to work with in this process, and they're working with the league and with the USLPA and continue to have those discussions as it works throughout this season and um, into a, the longer agreement, much longer down the road. But I feel like they've been pretty you know, mutually respectful and um, definitely positive, and the groups are continuing to work together. So, you know, the great thing that a, a Players Association brings, it, it legitimizes your league, it protects players, um, and it also looks out for the welfare of everyone involved. So. We'll continue working forward through that, and that'll probably go into later this fall uh, when that really begins to ramp up for the League One group. When when you're having these discussions, is the, are the discussions between the players and the owners typically? Is it you know a subgroup of of the ownership, and and where does the league fall within that? Because obviously the you know the 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 league doesn't pay the players the teams do so and uh so, so that that's one of two questions that i have about the negotiations themselves with the sure. uslpa i'll answer them to the best of my ability because as the league executive i'm not on those task forces um the league to a degree right um is a collective representative of the ownership but everything goes through the league's individual club ownership right so it, it's kind of like that um I don't know the actual term for it, um, but as the bargaining representative, so to speak. Um, but our ownership in basically we have the ownership of the clubs that are in regular communication with the PA um, and then they'll continue working together through whatever those discussions entail moving forward. Um, but as a league exec, I'm not part of those. And so and, and then re- related to that, um, what type of standards might the, might there be that are different in League One, if if you know of anything that that's being talked about compared to the championship? Yeah. Couldn't even speculate on it. Um, like as I mentioned earlier, I think there's a part where the championship's going through their process, and League One will go through ours um, when that time begins. 
but I, I don't even want to speculate on what it could be. I don't want to speak on behalf of the but, but they probably will be. But they probably will be different, presumably. Um, could be. Not, Absolutely not could be. Okay. Two different leagues, right? Two different sets of ownership. Um, so I, I can anticipate there being you know, different points of focus. Are there any conversations going about the league when we talk about those standards, kind of setting things to where maybe there is a minimum, right? Where it's, you know, the players. And like I said, you might not be able to speak on it, mm-hmm. but is there any even at least conversation saying, what can the league do to help with the players, whether that's be set a mandatory, Hey, you can't have a player playing for free, right? Housing and mm-hmm. one free meal game per week is not enough. Is there something that where, you know, there's internal conversations about, well, you know, even though it is the owners that are paying the players, is there anything that we can do from a league perspective to help? Well, I think that changes, right, when you voluntarily – and I'm not – I don't – I'm sure our general counsel is flipping up and down right now. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Garrison. Um, again, I, I don't want to speculate on that. I, I think when you look at that, those will all be conversations that um, the Players Association would bring to the uh, the league ownership, and um, the collective League One owners will work with their representative to begin that conversation with uh, uh, the Players Association. So, uh, you know, I don't want to comment on it. Not that I can't, but – there's nothing to comment on this time. So you know how to try. <laughs> no, no, I, I appreciate that. I really do. I, I wish I could give you more. Uh, I just can't. Yeah, that's f- fair enough. Um, so we are streaming live tonight. It's uh, Wednesday night, July the 10th, for those of you keeping score. Um, and I, I want to I wanna start. It's July already? Yeah. It's July. <laughs> June, excuse me. Days out. I got to run. You know? man, <laughs> June 10th. Man, I am uh, – <laughs> It's been a long day, guys. Real Ira, it's okay. Yeah, um, but one of the questions that that's come in over the chat is, um, you know, are there any um, are there any League One ownership groups that are coming from outside the U.S. or are all of the ownership groups that are interested in in owning teams local? Um, so, uh, you know, it's interesting. We historically have had influence from outside the U.S. Um, we've had communication with several groups outside the United States, some that spent time here, but now are abroad. Um, but I wouldn't, I don't really know how far along they are in the process. So, you know, the great thing about USL and maybe it's being on ESPN plus and it's our increased digital experience and really just the example of our great clubs and our great ownership now is that they've raised the profile of the league year in and year out. And so by doing that, I believe we'll start to attract more ownership from around the world, whether it's clubs or individuals that, want to get into the U.S. game and own a club. And I don't know if there are many countries around the world right now where you could uh, acquire a professional team and, or start one of your own without starting at a uh, um, like the local divisional level. So it definitely makes this a new, unique opportunity. We're going to discuss it a little more after you hop off. But, you know, in, in likes of what's going on with Black Lives Matter and just, you know, looking for equality in the black community in this country alone and, you know, kind of putting that into a soccer perspective, is there any action that the league is, you know, planning on take or internal discussions going on and what they can do to kind of help with that? And so for instance, I'll let you know, you know, USL, US, USL in general is a league that wants to pride itself on innovation and trying new things and being the first, you know, within an American soccer community to do it, whether that's the concussion protocol where you can get an extra mm-hmm. sub with concussions. And so why, you know, why not try something like the Rooney rule to where the league, you know, sets a standard that every owner is required 
required to at least interview one black coach when it's time to for them to find a coach. Because right now, I know we got Gooch as a technical director in Orlando City, mm-hmm. but I can't name more than two or three staff and coaches in USL League One. So, mm-hmm. you know, is there internal discussions going on about things that you guys can do to help with that fight and to bring equality across, you know, even, of course, with black, you know, black lives, but you know, every race, right? It's just like to, to fight, to help those that have been marginalized to get to an equal spot. Yeah, well, if I can first, uh, let me state that the league fully supports the Black Lives Matter movement um, and anyone that's fighting social injustice. I mean, I mean, it's period, right? There's nothing else to it. I mean, full stop, we support it. And what's going on right now is a time for us to listen uh, and a time for action. And I think what the league has done as we talk to those inside our, uh, I'll call it an ecosystem, um, is to look how we can amplify voices. And for those that have shared voices with us to date and continually to take that feedback, you know, part of that was opening up our, our channels uh, to amplify those stories and the insight um, for those that have experienced racism, oppression, and social injustice. And, you know, Jason, you even contributed about how people can get involved. And I think that's huge because a lot of people, uh, may not know how, and just to say, hey, it's simply, this is how you can get involved to support a cause, uh, whether it is uh, locally, globally, or just across the country, it's time for voices. And so we'll continue um, obtaining that feedback. Um, I haven't seen um, a definitive list yet, but I think we're open to listening to those um, and making sure that everyone has a voice. And well, one, everyone has a voice, but making sure everyone's voices is heard. Um, and making sure that's an important aspect. So like they always say, you get two ears, make sure you use them uh, got, and let's make sure we're together. I've got your email. So uh, you, can, you can be looking <laughs> forward to a list. You do. And I, I'm going to tell you, I, I love what you wrote, man. Like just thank you. It's not, you know, when you look at it, it's here's how simple it can be. Right. And, but there are so many other ways that people can get involved. So I think that's going to be important to know moving forward. Great. Jason, you have any other questions for the vice president? Steve, I want to thank you again for joining us, but I got to let you know, last time you were on here, I was Uh-oh, promised what I did. a USL League One scarf, and it is for a year, and I, yeah. uh, listen, I, I'm going to start having the spiciest takes on this league if I do not get a scarf by the time this league starts back well, Let's do this. I've got one in the other room. You know I know all the dirt. I will release all of this, okay? <laughs> I want my scarf. Well, I'll tell you what. I've got one in the other room, uh, so let's do this. You've got my email address. If send me your address, and we'll get it out this week. Thank you. I Sound good, it. Ira. You want one too, or you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's I, I'm, I'm always, in the house. I can't get I'm an always, office right now. I'm always there for uh, for free merch. So <laughs> both easily bought. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I got a tor- I got a Tormenta scarf, and you know, they became my team. So <laughs> it's amazing how that happens, right? And uh, <laughs> did you get any of their um, team sewn COVID masks? By the way, I did. I, I have not, um, and but I did get a. You know, we're we're sponsored by Roughneck Scarves, mm-hmm. so I got a couple Roughneck ones. So. Love the guys up at Roughneck. Uh, yeah, lead uh, to history up there too. If you want to talk about that, sometime. <laughs> you get a Ford kit, uh, Steve. Uh, a no, I, ha- I haven't yet. I, I have, you know, I haven't bought any kit yet. Although I know it's a slippery slope, um, so I have to be very careful yeah. because it's. Uh, once you get one, I don't have any other place to store them. Uh, but between all the scarves I've got behind me, that is only a small part of my collection. But I have scarves from all the teams that I've visited and all the teams that have launched. Is that one? Oh, they, we've got them at the league office. Okay. It's just uh, 
It's just that, you know, they're there for like creative purposes and making sure right. they meet standards and stuff like that. But it's very creative. Everything they're doing up there is just unbelievable. And I think there are going to be some exciting kits on the field this year. I can't wait to see them all. It must be nice to get one, huh? I, you tell me, man. I mean, you go. <laughs> we are rocking the Richmond kit right now. We wouldn't know uh, what it's like to get one. You know, not like we've been talking about Ford since before the league started. But anyway, uh, Steve, thank you. What, I mean, it's a beautiful one. I mean, you, the Union Omaha kit is extremely clean, um, yep. and especially working with our two healthcare partners to uh, promote the, you know, the, the healthcare frontline workers. So um, I would tell you that. Uh, there's a lot of beautiful ones out there this season, some that haven't been released yet, I believe. So um, hang in there. You might uh, have to get something for the holidays here. All right. Great stuff. That was Stephen Short, the Senior Vice President of USL League One. Stephen, thanks very much for coming back on League One Fun. Thanks, guys. Always a great time, and I uh, look forward to kicking the season off with you. Thanks, Yeah, Steve. us too. Awesome. Thanks, guys. So now to a somewhat more somber topic. Um Obviously, the events that have taken place over the last few weeks uh, following George Floyd's murder um, and the uh, and and the growing swell of the Black Lives Matter movement is, um, you know, needs to be addressed. And I think, you know, a lot of podcasts have spent, you know, the entire podcast uh, about it. Jason, you've appeared on on a podcast. And as Stephen noted, you've contributed to uh, the conversation on the USLLeagueOne.com website. Um you know, let's, I'm a privileged white male. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And I'll, I'll say that, but I, I'm not blind to bigotry either. Um, my, we belong to a local synagogue that's been targeted with hate. So I, I'm, I can't imagine what African-Americans are going through every day, fearing for their lives, just be, from, especially from the authority that's supposed to be protecting them. Um, you know, I would love just to hear, a couple of the things that you noted in in your your piece that you know folks like me who want to help we want to be allies and you know it's it's uncomfortable for us sometimes to speak about it because we don't want to offend other people who we respect and love right um, so talk to us a little bit about how those of us who want to be allies how can we help what's the little things and the medium things and the bigger things that we can do to support the cause of social justice um you know for the black community for every community that um you know has institutional racism um or deals with institutional racism every day yeah and it's it's again not just about police brutality right this is hundreds and hundreds of thousands you know just just every day we deal with this you know systemic racism for the past hundreds of years from everything from police brutality to gerrymandering to, you know, financial, um, you know, or land displacement, financial, economic resources taken away. It's one of those things to where it's a system that is not allowing us to be equal. So if a system does not allow us to be equal, the people that can change that are the ones who make that system or who make the policies. And so unfortunately, if our voices aren't being heard, we need other people's voices to be louder for us. And so that's where people can come in. And the first rule is that just the first step is just educate yourself. Right. And I'm, I've, 
I deal with enough on a day-to-day basis. So I don't really have much time to teach people what goes on in this country, right? And I can understand the ignorance of some people because our schools don't teach us what really went on, right? Our school isn't, America is always going to teach what America wants to teach and make us look like the greatest nation in the world, right? So there's plenty of resources online. There's plenty of Black-owned bookstores with Black literature, you know, and Black content created. There's tons of Black movies, Black documentaries to where you can get real history and understand what we've been going through and how nothing has changed, right? The same things that people that my parents went through to my grandparents went through, my great grandparents went through. I go through the same thing too. And it might not be to as an extreme level as they did, but it still is obstacles and hindrance in my life that I have to overcome on a daily basis. And it can be from everything like fearing for my life because a cop has circled me three times to just the microaggressions I get at work and just the, oh, let me touch your hair or oh look I, I'm tan I'm almost as dark as you like we don't we don't feel like dealing with that and it's ignorant and it's just it's one of those things to where you know educating yourself and understanding why and being empathetic towards us right and one of the other things I noted on a fair weather podcast is you don't have to feel guilty about what ha- you we're not blaming you directly right but you can you can empathize for us and you can understand and learn and, and feel like okay i can make a change and i can make a difference and that's where you go and educate yourself that's where you go and you vote in your local elections you go to your town halls you go and you you know you go to these protests you donate to local black chapters and to organizations that are helping the cause for equality and you know racial injustice you can do that stuff and that stuff goes a long way because we alone can't do it so when others do it in bigger numbers you see right now every city every state in the U.S. right now is protesting. It has never happened in the country's history where every state has been protesting. And then you can even go across the seas to London and France and hypocritical ass Italy, who all of a sudden has a heart now for black players. But the 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 deal is, this is a time now to where you see what's happening. You see, like right now, the statistics: black-owned businesses are doing, you know, great, and they're getting this income. That should not be a thing to where it's a trend, right? Don't just do this now and feel like, okay, like, oh, I, I, I like giving it to charity. And you're like, oh, I did my good part of the year. Now I'm going to wait till next Christmas to do it. No, like if you truly believe that everyone should be equal and that everyone should have the opportunity that this country says we do, then this should be a consistent thing that you, you are doing. You should want to see that when people say like, oh, well, there's, you know, police brutality in, in white, you know, people in white neighborhoods too, that should piss you off. I don't understand why you're even comparing that. Right. It's like, that should be something that you're fighting towards. So that's the, you know, the steps is to educate yourself and then do things locally to make a difference because that's how it grows. And then donate, protest, do what you can to see those actions come to terms, put the pressure, go to your town halls, let them know that what is happening in front of you. And now that you are opening your eyes and seeing it and understanding it, not deflecting it and not pretending that it's not happened. Now, you know, it's happening. Now the responsibility is on you. If you really believe in equality to make that change. Jason, I have nothing to add. I had four or five things, but (laughs) Um, you always bring the spice and I, I appreciate that. And I appreciate that. I consider you my friend and I, uh, um, look forward to doing this show with you 
as the league and, kicks off. And we watch guys like Elma N4 and, you know, JJ Donnelly and all these guys who are going on social media and, you know, being featured by the league, but also, you know, doing Facebook lives for over an hour. I don't know if you saw Elma's yeah. Facebook live, but it was great. I mean, it was absolutely, I was enthralled and, um, you know, so, uh, you know, and everyone's story has to be a little different. And, you know, I mean, as an ally uh, and on behalf of all of us who are, you know, thank you and thank everyone else for, you know, enlightening us and, and helping us educate ourselves um, because we've been, you know, blind too long about a lot of these things. So with that, Jason, you have anything else to discuss today? I don't, but I'm excited. I mean, I can smell it, right? There's, there's soccer in the air coming. I can smell uh, it. A month away. You know, I think I said July because I was hoping it was only a week away instead of five weeks away. But um, so the one thing that that I didn't mention was Diva was on that I think is worth mentioning. In my conversations with a lot of the uh, league owners and general managers, it seems like all of the independent teams participated in the payroll protection plan. Wow. Um, so, so, but, but, you know, one of the things about the payroll protection plan is that, um, they it runs out basically this month so that's one reason why it's important for them to kind of get playing right so they can generate at least some revenue to help you know offset other uh, losses in other areas so with that jason where can people connect with you at home sweet soccer and i can be found at ira jersey and you can connect with us on twitter at league one that's league and the number one fun Thank you for listening. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts and check out bgn.fm for other great soccer podcasts and written content covering USL League One, Championship League Two, NWSL, Major League Soccer, and a lot more. Also, thanks to Roughneck Scarves, the official supplier of scarves to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves to your group or team today. And Icarus FC, who does custom kits like you know like crazy custom kits so actually one is is a new usl league two team they do line uh they, they do uh, lone star in philadelphia oh, they okay. do their kits, so yeah. they do really cool also asbury park fc jason hey. i don't know have you do you know asbury yeah, park yeah. fc oh, yeah. have you ever seen them play yeah no i haven't seen them play i know right. yeah no one has because they're not a real team yeah so <laughs> they're a cool brand though and and uh icarus does their their kits as well so with that, until next time, hashtag support local soccer. Damn, I owe you $5. You did that perfectly. <laughs>